The Screen Lawyer Podcast is brought to you by Cape Sokol Attorneys at Law. Welcome to the Screen Lawyer Podcast, at the intersection of the entertainment world, intellectual property law, and emerging technology, where we discuss legal and business issues surrounding any type of content that ends up on your screens. I'm your host, Pete Salsic, the Screen Lawyer. Hey there, how you doing? I'm Pete Salsic, the Screen Lawyer. And here on the Screen Lawyer Podcast, we're going to be talking about all things screens, right? So what does that mean? What do we mean by the screen lawyer? Where did that term come from? Well, I, I really owe my good friend Jim Hacking the credit. And in my world, in the production world, credit's key, right? Attribution. Who's the created by? Well, maybe in a way, Jim Hacking gets a co-created by credit for the screen lawyer. because, And I'll tell you how this happened. So... In the course of my practice, over the years, I have spent a lot of time doing intellectual property legal work. But I started as a litigator. That started really with a comic book case more than 20 years ago that went on for years and years and developed all sorts of interesting law, but gradually grew into a practice that included music cases, challenging, uh, you know, Grammy-nominated songs and their artists and their record labels because they didn't include my client in the credits because he had written the music. Um, And then that evolved into cases involving tattoos and movies, stuff we're going to talk about in detail on this podcast and over this series as we go on. But what that really led me to was a point when I started to ask, well, what do all these lawsuits have in common? And the thing that they had in common, everyone, some version of the lack of a piece of paper before there was money. And I began to realize, well, there's probably a pretty good practice in helping people avoid lawsuits by making sure that that paper is correct at the outset. So in the creative process, when things start, that is when it's most important to understand how intellectual property law affects what ends up on a screen, what the rights are, how it all works from a business perspective as well. So I began doing that work. And I got the great good fortune of having a very small client at the time turn into my only client. And next thing you know, I am in-house legal counsel at Cool Fire Studios and spent the next several years working on the software side, the television side, documentary films, digital production, emerging technologies, and doing all of the contracts and all of the right structures and helping the businesses form in order to do that work. And when I came out of the in-house version of Cool Fire Studios, who are still great friends and clients. But now I'm doing this work for a much broader audience. And I was struggling with how to describe my practice. You know, one of the things that we have to do as lawyers is we've got to do what I'm doing right now is talk to you and tell you what I do and what I'm interested in. And, And so you can make decisions. People have to decide what I like to work with this lawyer. And some some part of that is branding. And those of you in the audience who branding is your thing. Well, we're going to have some episodes on branding and some cool issues and intellectual property that come up with that. But I was thinking about that for myself. Well, how do I tell people that I can do this stuff? Because it's different than what I once did now. And so I was having lunch with my friend Jim, who, if you don't know Jim, check out Jim's YouTube channel, Hacking Immigration Law. He's a total leader in the in the YouTube for lawyers world. And Jim's also a great friend. And 
I was trying to describe my struggle to him and kept saying, he's like, well, what do you do? And I would go, blah, blah. And we'd blah, and he'd stop. What do you do? And then I would struggle some more. And finally, he just kept saying, what do you do? And I thought to myself for a second, well, at Cool Fire, they used to have a saying, we make things for screens. And I did every one of those contracts. I did every one of those deals, every one of those right structures, every one of those businesses, every one of those disputes. And Jim said, you're a screen lawyer. Light bulb went off. We checked. The URL was available and the screen lawyer was born. So Jim, thank you. I will never forget the fact that you gave me this platform. I really mean that. But now what? So what do we do with the screen lawyer? Well, we're going to talk about how things get on your screen, how they stay there. And I don't mean just the production. And we will do that. We will have guests here who talk about the making. You know, the the, the concept of makers is, is very cool these days. It's always been cool, of course. I mean, people who make and build and things are, are inspirational. And for those of us who can't really make, talking about makers is the next closest thing. So we're going to have those people on. But other than the makers of how something physically gets on the screen, I'm more interested in focusing on the legal aspects of how something can end up on a screen and more importantly, how it can stay there and how people can make money on it if that's the goal. Do you realize that whether it's a $100 million movie or a 30-second toothpaste commercial or anything in between, the legal rights, the contract structure, copyright law, perhaps how you're paying, all of those rights are identical for both projects. Now, some will have more pieces than others, but copyright law functions exactly the same for every single thing that ends up on a screen. You have to have the rights to every single second of footage in order to put it up on the screen in the way you want to use it. And there's, of course, there are variations. Depending on the nature of the use or where you're distributing it, you may need a different set of rights or you may have a little more freedom depending on certain factors. We'll talk about those things. But that's the kind of stuff we want to dig into about how do you pay for something on a screen? How does a film get financed? We'll talk about that. How do things get made? Remember those guys who are those really cool people who are makers? Well, now we have artificial intelligence, AI, chat GPT, and a million other, seems like a million now, other sources of AI-generated content. It's really cool. It's amazing. And it's happening fast, as you know. But the law doesn't move fast. Copyright law doesn't change much at all over time. Nor does contract law is patent law, for example, or even trade secret law. My point is, even though the technology is new, if it's going to end up on a screen, the same legal rules apply. And AI is creating some very, very interesting situations that don't easily fit into past legal structures. And the courts are going to have to figure that stuff out. We're going to dig in and explore that stuff. Who owns the output of something that's created by AI? What's legal for training an AI? Can you go get stuff from other people to use? Stuff like that and many more. So that'll be one of the things that we're going to focus on. And for something like AI, the intention here is we're going to do a series. We can't cover that in one episode in any kind of a detail. So we're going to dig in and focus on some different aspects. I don't know how many episodes that'll be. That'll be part of the fun. And if something new happens, we'll come back later and revisit. And we're going to have some other things that will end up being series like that, where we may have multiple episodes focusing on different aspects of a certain area of the law or a certain area of technology or just things that are happening in the entertainment world. But breaking up the series 
We want to tell some stories. I want to hear from other people, not just me. Now, I may be the one talking to you a lot, and hopefully there'll they'll be value there because I got a lot to say, I'll be honest with you. But I want to hear from other people. I want to talk to creators. I want to talk to makers. I want to talk to people who are using AI. I want to talk to students who are just getting into this world. I want to talk to people who've been doing it for years who may be a little blown away by the new technology and how they deal with it. We'll talk to other lawyers, perhaps. There's a wide list of people we'll talk to. I want to talk to some of the former clients, maybe, who were part of these lawsuits that were so much fun and kind of cool. Maybe they weren't fun for the client at the time, but now looking back at them, I think they were pretty much fun. And speaking of lawsuits, we'll have some episodes devoted to lawsuits. You know, I get asked a lot. One of the coolest things I ever got to do was represent a tattoo artist and take on a Hollywood blockbuster the week before Memorial Day because the studio didn't get permission to copy the tattoo from one famous person's face to another famous person's face. That was our case. It was a blast. I'll tell you all about it. Other cases, music cases, comic books. I got my whole start in this intellectual property area as a comic book lawyer. I know that sounds kind of funny. I wasn't actually drawn as a lawyer in the comic book, but the lawsuit was about the use of characters and names and identities in the comic book on the characters. Ended up going on for years, developing new law in certain areas, appellate courts weighing in, but led to different licensing issues. And now that name image likeness, NIL, is such a big deal in the college athletic world and elsewhere, it's kind of wild to me because this comic book lawsuit that was my very first intellectual property case was a name image likeness lawsuit more than 20 years ago. We called it the right of publicity, which is the legal term for the right to control the use of your name, image, and likeness for endorsement purposes. But that's what it was. This issue isn't new. And maybe that's the point and one of the things I think we'll spend some time with. The more we have new technology, the more there are emerging things. You know, this these screens that we hold in our hands, they're ubiquitous now, right? Everybody has one, but some of us have multiple. Many of us have more than one. But it isn't that long ago where that was amazing new technology, just like AI is now, just like other things have been in the past. But the more things change, the more they are the same. That old cliche is absolutely true here. And so while name image likeness seems like this exploded new thing, it's actually a long, well-established legal right with lots of precedent. And we'll talk about that. And maybe sometimes we can get you some comfort level dealing with this new stuff because you realize that the underlying principles, whether it's for your business or you're a rights, you know, you're the creator or you want to use somebody else's creation in something you're doing, those rules don't change. Those rules evolve to meet the new technology, but mostly the lawyers kind of have to do the combination. You know, the way we make arguments often in the legal world is we try to say, if, I'm, if I want a certain outcome, I want to say to the court, Your Honor, my situation is just like this other case over here. And in this other case, the rule turned out this way. Therefore, the rule should turn out that way for me today. But my opponent is going to say, no, Your Honor, this case isn't the current issue isn't like that case. It's really like this one over here. And in this one over here, the result was the opposite. Therefore, the opposite result should happen now. 
It's basically, are we comparing apples to apples? What questions do we ask? What is the right way to frame the issue? That's what we do a lot as lawyers. And that's what we have to explore when we're dealing with new technology. Cycling back to the AI discussion from earlier, maybe many of these issues that seem like they're new because of the way AI is helping generate new content are actually issues that the courts have dealt with in the past under copyright law, but under a slightly different situation. It'll be interesting to see. But that's the kind of thing we're going to explore. So over the course of hopefully many episodes of the Screen Lawyer podcast, we're going to talk about things like that. And we have a plan, right? I've got already a bunch of episodes planned out. We're going to do series. We're going to have guests. But we're also going to be flexible and be creative. Because one of the coolest things I think about working with creative people is just that. Their ability to be flexible, to be creative problem solvers. And I saw this really, really come true during COVID. When that pandemic hit, productions all over the world just shut down. And people were panicked, like, how are we ever going to make a movie again, let alone a television commercial or any version in between? Anything that required people to come together on a daily basis from different backgrounds, different places they live, et cetera, travel in for a day for a shoot, that world all had to be completely reimagined. But you know who got back to business probably quicker than a lot of other industries? Production companies, because they've always been creative problem solvers. No matter what you have on the shooting schedule that day, you have to be willing to adjust. Maybe the lighting turns out to be different, or maybe it's a much bigger issue. The point is, they're always solving problems in the minute. And that's what we're going to try to do here if we can. So if you like what you heard so far, subscribe. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, hit like and hit that subscribe button down below. And that way you'll always know when we have a new episode. We intend to launch some every other week, uh, maybe more often once in a while if something is breaking, but for sure on a regular basis so we can continue to explore what I think is just about the coolest area in the world these days, and that's the creative world. And the creative world now, it lives on our screens. And so the screen lawyer seems like the right person to be talking about it. I hope you agree. Talk to you soon. Hope you have a great day. You've been listening to the Screen Lawyer Podcast with your host, Pete Salsing, the screen lawyer. For more information or to stay connected, find us on social at The Screen Lawyer or check us out at thescreenlawyer.com.